यो ब्रह्मणम विदधाति पूर्वम यो वै वेदांश्च प्रहिणाति तस्मै तम हदेवमात्मबुद्धि प्रकाशम मुमुक्षुर वै शरणमहं प्रपद्ये ओम शान्ते 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 श्रुतिस्मृतिपुराणानाम आलयं करुणालयं नमामि भगवत्पादं शंकरं लोकशंकरं शंकरं शंकराचार्यं केशवं बादरायणं सूत्रभाष्यकृतौ वन्दे भगवन्तौ पुनः पुनः ईश्वरो गुरुरात्मेदि मूर्तिभेद विभागिने व्योमवद्व्याप्त देहाय दक्षिणामूर्तये नमः Yesterday we were discussing how the Bhagavad Gita unfolds the theme of the Upanishads the theme being expressed in one simple statement I think children will request Bhagavad Gita in its 18 chapters unfolds the theme as expressed in this simple statement that thou art that refers to as you said the very goal or the objective of my life we said yesterday that every human being is born a seeker and from the birth onwards I've been seeking something in my life we also discussed what each one of us is seeking is freedom what kind of freedom unconditional freedom I want freedom but I do not want any conditions attached to that freedom I want happiness but unconditional happiness I want peace unconditional peace in our life in our experiences we do experience happiness now and then we do experience freedom also but we find that the happiness that we experience the freedom that we experience is always conditional meaning subject to various conditions I feel happy only when certain conditions are satisfied when things around me are agreeable to me when I get what I desire when what is around me is something that is conducive to me so we find that when the conditions around me are conducive agreeable desirable that is when I do feel a moment of happiness but then when the situation is no more agreeable no more desirable then my happiness also seems to go away thus I do experience happiness all right but then that happiness is conditional what I am seeking is unconditional happiness I do not want that I should be happy only when the world obliges me by being agreeable to me but I want to be happy under all conditions at all times at all places because if you ask somebody a question hey 
You want happiness? He says, right. How much happiness do you want? He says, well, I want all the happiness I can have. How long do you want to be happy? He says, I want to be happy all the time. Nobody wants even a moment of unhappiness. Where do you want to be happy? I want to be happy everywhere. <clears throat> That's if I had my way. Then I want to have happiness, which is boundless happiness at all the times, at all the places. Which means that if I had my way, I would not want any conditions attached to my happiness at all. This is what we mean by unconditional happiness. Not limited by time, not limited by place, not limited by any condition at all. This limitlessness, this limitless freedom is what each one of us is seeking. And that alone is denoted by the pronoun that. This is what we are seeking. Sometimes that, that is called God, that is called Brahman, that is called limitless. And this is what we are seeking. <coughs> we also say that the 18 chapters of Bhagavad Gita unfold this theme. The first six chapters unfold the theme which is denoted by the word Tvam or you or thou, that is I. So basically the first six chapters focus their attention on discussing who I am. The second six chapters focus their attention on discussing what is the nature of God. The third six chapters tell us the identity between the two. So we are starting the discussion on the ninth chapter of the Gita, which is the part of the second six chapters. And therefore, the primary theme discussed in this chapter is that of God. What is the nature of God? What is the, how to, how to know him? What is the method of knowing him? What are the qualifications of the devotee? As we said yesterday, this chapter talks about the God, talks about the devotee and talks about the devotion. These are the things talked about here. <coughs> the ninth chapter opens with a statement from Lord Krishna himself. The usual custom is that this kind of a discourse or this upadesha or teaching should be imparted only when one asks a question about it. The general rule is that one should not tell this unless one is asked about it. And therefore we find in the Bhagavad Gita that many chapters open with questions from Arjuna. But at the same time, we also find several chapters opening directly with the statements of Lord Krishna without a question, without an explicit question on the part of Arjuna. However, sometimes even the question is not asked explicitly, it is an implied question. So here Lord Krishna is replying to an implied question on the part of Arjuna. Because the ninth chapter naturally follows the eighth chapter. And a certain theme was discussed in the 8th chapter, which raised certain questions on the part of, in the mind of Arjuna. In the 8th chapter, Lord Krishna described how a yogi, one who is performing the yoga, concentrating his mind in the meditation of Lord, and was gained a tremendous self-control so that he can even leave the body at his will. How 
at the time of death attending the name of God he goes to what we call Brahmaloka the, the world of Brahma and ultimately gets liberated <coughs> so this is the process described in the 8th chapter of Gita therefore a question may arise in our mind is it that this liberation that is freedom that is fulfillment in our life is it something that has to come only after death or can it be there in this life itself this is a very important point that Vedanta makes that what we are seeking in life namely liberation or freedom or unconditional happiness is something to be achieved in this life itself yes under some special conditions it can also happen after departing from this body after death but basically we are seeking that in this life itself can I be free in this life itself is it possible for me to know God or is it possible for me to gain the, the attain the objective of my life while I am alive Lord Krishna says yes and therefore ninth chapter is a discourse of Lord Krishna wherein Lord Krishna here imparts that knowledge gaining which one finds that liberation that freedom that fulfillment that fullness in this life itself and that is why Lord Krishna is as though answering this unsaid question in the part of Arjuna and that's the reason why this chapter opens with a statement from Lord Krishna the teacher himself <clears throat> I forgot to tell you yesterday but it would be desirable if each one of you has the text of this ninth chapter how many people have the text of this chapter may I know could you kindly raise your hands okay it's all right for today but I would request all of you to bring with you a book of Bhagavad Gita the ninth chapter hopefully with a translation in fact Arshavidya Bharati has also brought out a little publication here which gives the text of the ninth chapter along with the translation is it available to people it's available they can collect so you'll be able to collect it tomorrow from the counter those of you who have the text I would repeat this verse part by part and you kindly repeat after I will chant it and I request you to repeat after me this is how we like to do this we like to make this session a session of study these are discourses alright but it is desirable that the audience or the listeners also participate in this process then it becomes what we call a dynamic listening that you also participate your participation is by way of having this text in front of you so that when we discuss these verses then you know what is it that we are discussing and when you go home you can take something back with you that you can at home also be able to spend some time deliberating upon this if you wish and that is how we like to have this session and that's the reason why we wish that you have the text in front of you alright I chant this the first verse I'll chant one quarter at a time 
and you please repeat after me. Shri Bhagavan Vacha Shri Bhagavan Vacha Idan Tute Gohyatamam Pravakshyamyana Suyave Jnanam Vijnana Sahitam Yajnatva Moksha Seshubhar Shri Bhagavan Vacha, the Lord said, he is a teacher. Idan Tute Gukhyatamam Pravakshami Anasuyave See, if you have these words in front of you, the discussion will become much more meaningful. Bhagavad Gita, as you know, is a dialogue between the teacher and the disciple. In this case, the teacher is Lord Krishna, the disciple is Arjuna. This teacher and the student are enjoying a very special relationship. In fact, a very special relationship obtained between a teacher and a student, always. A unique relationship. A relationship in which the student is the one who is everything to gain. And teacher is the one who finds fulfillment in giving. So teacher is the one who gives, student is the one who receives and each one of them experiences a sense of fulfillment. So that is a relationship. Here is a relationship in which there is love and kindness and compassion on the part of the teacher and there is reverence, there is devotion and there is love on the part of the student. That's a very beautiful relationship obtains between the teacher and the student. We find in the Bhagavad Gita this wonderful relationship obtaining between Lord Krishna and Arjuna. In the, in the earlier chapters also, Lord Krishna is expressed. Like in the fourth chapter, Lord Krishna said, Bhakto sime sakhachaiti rahasyam hetaduttamam Hey Arjuna, you are my devotee and you are my friend. And that's the reason why I'm unfolding to you this great rahasyam, this great secret. Arjuna himself said, Shishyasteham shadhimam tvam prapannam Oh Lord, I am your disciple. I am, I am surrendered at your feet. You please teach me. Please unfold this knowledge to me by which I can gain that ultimate fulfillment in my life. We are in the ninth chapter. The following chapter is the tenth chapter, which is called Vibhuti Yoga, where Lord Krishna describes the glories. At the request of Arjuna, Arjuna says to Lord Krishna, Please describe to me your glories. I want to all the time think of you. Please tell me how I can think of you all the time. In what various forms you are manifest in this world, And saying that, he says, Vistarenatmano Yogam, Vibhutim Chajanardana, Bhuyah Kathaya. Oh Lord, please describe to me your divine glories in great detail. If you remember, this dialogue is taking place in the midst of battlefield. The Arjuna's chariot is placed between the two armies. And remember that both the armies are waiting anxiously for this dialogue to get over so that the battle can commence. 
and here Arjuna asks Lord please describe to me in great detail your divine glories as if as though he forgot that he is in the midst of the battlefield as though he is all the time in the world Lord says wait a minute I have been describing my glories all the time says please tell me again tell me in detail why do you want to hear the same thing again and again O Lord, listening to your words, the nectar-like words, I do not find a sense of fulfillment. I want to listen to it again and again because your words are like nectar and when I listen to your teaching, then it gives me tremendous amount of joy and happiness. So here is a student of the disciple who discovers a tremendous joy in listening and here is a teacher who is imparting this knowledge with all kindness and compassion and love. <coughs> so, Lord Krishna says to Arjuna, Idan tute guhyatamam pravakshami. Here Arjuna, tu, now I am going to tell you something different. In the 8th chapter, I talked to you about the meditation. But now I am going to talk to you about the knowledge. That is what we call dhyayam brahma and nyayam brahma. Lord is the one that can be meditated upon or the Lord is the one to be known. Lord Krishna says, here now, I am going to talk to you about the Lord, about the Creator, about God, who is to be known. <coughs> Pravakshami, I will tell you in great detail. Kushyatamam, that which is the greatest secret. So this knowledge is a secret, a great secret not because it is meant to be hidden from the people, but that generally speaking, people are not available even to listen to that. As Kathopanishad says, Shravanayapi Bhobhiryodalabhya Most people have no inclination, you want to listen to this. And that is how it remains a secret as though, Here Hirjuna, today I am going to unfold to you this great secret. Anasuyave, why am I going to tell you? Because you deserve it. So Arjuna has, in fact, he deserves this because he has a certain qualification. You know the name of Arjuna? The Arjuna means Rujutvad Arjuna. One who is a straightforward person. One who is, who is free from any guile. One who is free from any angularity. One who is a simple-hearted person. He is Arjuna. So one of the important qualifications to gain this knowledge in our life is to become an Arjuna. There is a tree also which is called Arjuna. This tree is a straight tree without any knots or angularities, straight. Arjuna also is a very straightforward person without any angularities within his heart and Lord Krishna again tells Arjuna that I am telling you because Anasuyave, you are Anasuyu. You are the one who is free from any kind of, uh, any kind of malice, <coughs> without any calumny. There is a word in Sanskrit called asuya. Asuya is somewhat different from jealousy. Asuya means calumny. So generally, very often we find people having this tendency to always find faults. In fact, sometimes the mind is so distorted that a person finds fault even when there is something good. So, Guneshu Dosha Vishkaranam 
where there is gunas, where there are virtues, this person sees only faults, he sees only vices. So when a person is sincere and following the life of righteousness, this fellow says, oh, he is a hypocrite. He is a dambi. Oh, Swami, you don't know, he is making a show. And this is how there are some minds which always seem to see, there are distorted minds, perverted minds, which seem to see only dosha, they seem to see fault, where in fact there is a virtue. Arjuna is anasuyu, he is not like that. He is the one who is able to appreciate the virtues where there are. So Arjuna, you are the one who always sees virtues. Ultimately the world, everything in the world is made up of, there is a combination of virtue and vice. There is nothing that is free from some kind of limitation. There is nothing that is free from some defects. At the same time, there is nothing in the creation which doesn't have some virtue, which doesn't have some usefulness. So here is a mind which sees the virtue, the usefulness, the goodness which is there. Not that I do not see the evil which is there, but I do not fail to see the goodness also which is there. Arjuna is Anasuyu, the one who doesn't have calumny, one who, who trusts, one who is able to see the virtue where it is. And this is also a quality required on the part of the disciple. Very often, as I said, a very unique relationship does obtain between the teacher and the student, where the students have trust in the teacher. If I don't have the trust, then the way Lord Krishna is talking about the Bhagavad Gita, one may say that he seems to be projecting himself, the person Lord Krishna, but he is not. Whenever Lord Krishna uses the pronoun I, he means not the person that Krishna is, but the Lord, who is the creator, as we will see in this ninth chapter, is the Lord is saying. And Arjuna is able to appreciate that Anasuya way. Here Arjuna, you are free from malice. You are free from angularities. You are a straightforward person. You are a transparent person. What is inside is what is outside. There is transparency. Since you are transparent, since you are honest, since you are sinless, that's the reason why I'm going to unfold to you this great secret. Jnanam Vijnana Sahitam Lord Krishna here promises. He is going to tell Jnanam as well as Vijnanam. Jnanam, knowledge. Vijnanam, that knowledge when it becomes an intimate experience or intimate knowledge. Jnanam, Paroksha Jnanam, what we may call indirect knowledge. Vijnanam, Aparoksha Jnanam, what we call immediate knowledge. You see, there is two stages of knowledge. One thing is to know that one should speak truth. This is, you know, that I should be honest, I should be truthful. And I know the, I also understand what are the virtues of speaking truth. I know all of that. But when it actually comes to speaking truth, I find many difficulties in doing that. So very often people say, Swamiji, I know this, but I am not able to do that. So knowing seems to be one thing and living seems to be another thing. So here Lord Krishna says, knowledge as well as the intimate experience. Here Arjuna, I will tell you now, what is the nature of the reality? What is the nature of truth? What is the nature of God? What is the nature of the self or the reality? I will tell you. And also I will tell you how to make it your own knowledge. How to gain an immediate or intimate knowledge of that reality. Jnanam Vijnana Sahitam 
यज्ञात्वा मोक्ष से अशुभात यज्ञात्वा नोइंग विच अशुभात मोक्ष से समवन में आस्क क्वेश्चन व्हाई शुड आई गेन दिस नॉलेज व्हाई शुड आई नो दिस व्हाट इज द बेनिफिट ऑफ गेनिंग दिस नॉलेज लॉर्ड कृष्णा से देयर यज्ञात्वा नोइंग विच मोक्ष से अशुभात यू विल बी रिलीज फ्रॉम अशुभा यू विल रिलीज फ्रॉम ऑल इनऑस्पिशियसनेस there are certain inauspiciousness in our life there are certain things as we said yesterday which we are trying to get away from ashubham you know that in our in our native language also we sometimes use ashubham i remember when we were young small growing up at that time sometimes you receive a postcard on the postcard on the top they write ashubham which means i don't read this postcard because it carries certain news certain unf- i mean some some news of maybe death which is inauspicious news it is carrying and when you hear the death of a near and dear one the custom is that you must immediately take bath so you know so what they used to do is that the fellow would actually be in the bathroom if outside they will read you know whose death it has happened and then he would take the bath ashubham so you always associate the death with inauspiciousness so lord krishna says gaining this knowledge you become free from inauspiciousness which means you will become free from what we call death these three things are inauspicious we said yesterday things that we do not like about ourselves one thing that i do not like is death second thing that i do not like is ignorance third thing that i do not like is is what we call the unhappiness unhappiness i do not like ignorance i do not like death i do not like is it not so is it not that i all the time try to avoid death or postpone death is it not that all the time i try to become free from any unhappiness or sadness or that i cannot accept ignorance about myself so ignorance death unhappiness is what we call inauspicious here arjuna gaining this knowledge you'll become free from inauspiciousness you become free from all ills you'll become free from all unhappiness all sadness all ignorance you'll become free from death you will attain that immortality you will attain that of the omniscience you will attain the total happiness this is what you will attain this is what the human being is seeking lord krishna says gaining this knowledge you'll be able to attain that great goal of your life <coughs> in this two first first two verses lord krishna is making a proposition he is praising this knowledge the second verse also continues to praise the knowledge in the first verse lord krishna says gaining this knowledge you will become free or liberated from all limitations in second verse lord krishna continues the praise of the knowledge says here again i chant you please repeat राजविद्याजगुह्यम पवित्रदमुतम प्रत्यक्षावगम धर्म्यम सुसुखम कर्तुम्यय अगेन टॉकिंग अबाउट दिस नॉलेज लॉर्ड कृष्ण दिस राजविद्या it is a king among all the knowledges king among all the knowledges 
in what sense because gaining which knowledge nothing remains to be gained there are two forms of knowledge as we are saying one is the knowledge pertaining to the the objective world other is the knowledge pertaining to the self or the spirit the knowledge of the objective world is such that as we keep on gaining the knowledge we seem to find more and more areas which are unknown to us more knowledge i gain more i realize how much i do not know and thus that is what we call the knowledge of the part here is the knowledge which is the knowledge of the whole rajavidya therefore this is the knowledge of the unity among diversity the oneness among the many so manyness or diversity is a matter of our experience however as we said yesterday in this diversity also there is a unity that actually creates a harmony among the diversity you are different from me there is no doubt about that so there is something that separates you from me but there is something also that is common between you and i yesterday we said each one of us is can be looked upon as consisting of these two aspects the person and the personality the spirit and the matter the matter is that which in which the spirit is clothed we compare this to an actor like an actor assuming the role of a beggar there are two entities there the actor and the beggar the beggar is only at the level of costume and even when the actor uh, assumes a bag the costume of the beggar puts on the costume of the beggar acts as a beggar even then that beggarliness does not in any way affect the actor he remains a rich man that he is inspired of acting as a beggar that is what is called costume which does not affect the one who is wearing the costume similarly also each one of us is wearing the costume of this personality this body the sense organs the mind the intellect is our personality and this personality is the one that is a costume for this person the spirit even like the electricity which manifests through the various bulbs and the various appliances each bulb is like a personality which is different from every other bulb and sometimes that light is bright sometimes the light is dull all the brightness dullness etc of the light it all belongs to the bulb to the personality but the electricity manifesting through all of them is one alone and similarly also each one of us has a personality this body is a part of personality my mind is a part of personality this whole complex of the body sense organs mind intellect is a personality but manifesting through this personality is a person the spirit the consciousness and that is the one that is to be known that also is to be known we know the diversity i know that you are different from me that i know but that is the knowledge that creates all the divisions it is also necessary to know that even when you are different from me at one level there is another level when you and i are not different at all and that is the level of the person that is the level of the spirit gaining which there is a knowledge of the total harmony of the unity of oneness obtaining in our life knowing which i discover that love knowing which i become free from all sense of division knowing which i become free from all sense of likes and dislikes attachment and aversion knowing which i find a total peace and fulfillment with myself as well as with the world then the difference all become enjoyable 
when my knowledge only is confined to the differences then differences create divisions that you are different I am different when I realize that even among the difference there is that unity then difference becomes what we call an embellishment that becomes really an ornament then we can see how that one principle alone manifests through the various costumes you know uh, sometimes there are those movies in which one actor assumes more than one roles double role or triple role I don't know whether such movies are there nowadays or not because I am not familiar with them but I remember when I was young when I used to go to see movies now and then I remember having seen a movie where an actor was having double role you know he was a villain and he was a hero and the fighting two of them fighting with each other I said look at these fellows then somebody enlightened me says no no these are not two fellows this is only one fellow in double role so how fascinating it is when one takes two roles but imagine one taking infinite roles here in fact we are one actor we are one reality we are one truth or one spirit which is assume all these various costumes and thus one entity one principle one reality one consciousness one self one god if you call it who is assume all these various roles and knowing him all the roles become a matter of enjoyment the roles remain the roles and life then becomes nothing but a source of tremendous joy then as I said all this diversity becomes a glory otherwise that very diversity becomes a dividing factor therefore Lord Krishna says yadnyatva moksha se ashubhad knowing which you become free from all the divisions knowing which you become free from all the conflicts therefore Raja Vidya it is the king among all the knowledges Raja Gukhyam it is king among all the secrets because who will be able to know this or who will even have the inclination to know this only when one enjoys a certain maturity of the mind which maturity to have an interest in even listening to this to have an interest even in knowing this is really a wonderful thing it is not an ordinary thing that you people are here today listening to this perhaps that shows the fructification of the good deeds done in many past lives and that is the reason why this remains sort of a secret to most people because they just don't even have an inclination to listen to this therefore Lord Krishna says Rajagukhyam it is the king among all the secrets Pavitram this knowledge is the great purifier you know how what is impurity impurity is nothing but that which causes pain or sadness in my mind it is this division in the life that causes all this all the conflicts and this is the knowledge that reveals the fact that in the divisions there is this undivided whole in this diversity there is a unity in the many there is this one even though I seem to experience all the limitations in fact the limitations are not my inherent nature the limitations all belong to the costume the limitations all belong to the personality and I the person who is functioning through the personality is free from all limitations so this is a knowledge so pavitram it makes me free from all sense of smallness from all sense of limitation from all fears from all insecurities
and that's why it's called the greatest purifier because fear is impurity insecurity is impurity self-condemnation is impurity and all my actions that originate from the fear and insecurities are also going to be impure pavitram this removes all the impurity in life removes all insecurities removes all fears and that's how pavitram is a great purifier puttamam it is one of the most exalted knowledge pratyakshavagamam dharmyam susukham kartumavyayam and Arjuna, this can be known as your own self, as immediately. It is not something to be known later on. This knowledge is something to be known now as a very self. Dharmyam, it is a real dharma, the real righteousness in our life. Susukham, something that can be known very easily. Avyam, and that which is imperishable. So thus, in these two verses, just Lord Krishna praises the knowledge. You know, like a salesman who praises a product in order to create a value on the part of the listener. So here, Arjuna, is, Lord Krishna, is in fact praising his, what he is going to say. To create a value in Arjuna. Because it is necessary to know, before we listen to this, it is necessary to know how valuable it is. Then, we have a certain reverence for that, a certain respect, and also a certain attention and a commitment to that. Thus, in order to create a commitment on the part of the student, the teacher himself praises the Aprapyamam nivartante Mrutyu samsara vartmane Ashraddhanaha purushaha Here Arjuna, there are some people who just do not have shraddha or do not have the faith in this knowledge. To have the faith or the trust even in the scriptures, to have the trust that the scriptures are telling me something which is for my own well-being, even to have that trust also is a great thing. The scriptures are revealed by the sages, in fact scriptures are revealed by God himself through the sages and what the scriptures tell us is for our own well-being, the scriptures provide us a direction. They provide us a vision as well as a guidance in order to achieve that goal of our life. To have that trust, to have that faith also is not something very easy. Some people have it, some people just do not have it. It is really a matter of great privilege to have that frame of mind where I find a reverence for the scriptures. Some people when they talk, think of the scriptures, when they talk of the, you know, they somehow in their mind, there is a reaction. This is, in fact, even in India also, there is a whole sect of people who declare that all the scriptures are false, you know. These Vedas and all of these are false. They are only misguiding the people. Only creation of some Panditas, just to misguide the people, and therefore, don't follow them. Ashraddha dhana. So there are people 
having ashraddha, a total lack of faith. Dharmasyasya parandapa. They cannot accept that there is an entity called that, cannot accept that there is something called God. They cannot even accept that there is something called truth or reality in life. That is how their mind is. You ask them. Even Lord Krishna describes his people in the 16th chapter. Asatyam apratishthamte jagadahuhu anishwaram. There is no creator. Then how did this world come into being? Aparasparasambhutam kimanyat kamahetukam. Hey, this creation is merely product of the passion. This is merely product of the passion of the man and woman and this is what has given rise to this world and that's all the purpose of the world. So they think that the world is merely meant for sense gratification, that there is no other purpose of the life, that life is merely meant for sense gratification. And therefore they do not accept a reality above and beyond what we see. So when you talk of God they get upset. They say, what God are you talking about? They cannot even accept that, that can do in my life. I am quite capable of knowing what I want to know. I am quite capable of accomplishing what I want to accomplish. I don't need anybody's guidance. They don't even accept that there is God, that there is self, that there is reality, that there is truth, that there is justice. They don't accept it. Ashraddhanaha purushaha dharmasya se parantapa. Hey parantapa, hey Arjuna. There are these people who just do not have this faith. For what? There are some problems. A lot of emotional problems are there. In fact, yes, this only reveals the emotional problem when, when, I, when I listen about God, that there is a reaction in my heart. When we say to the people that there is an order in this life, there is justice in this life, then there is a tremendous revolt in the heart of some people. What are you talking about this order and justice? We don't accept any order. We don't accept there is justice in life. Ashraddha dhana. They react because of some problems which they have in their mind. Therefore, they cannot have trust, they cannot have faith in these words. Dharmasya separantapa. They cannot even accept that there is something called moksha, there is something called freedom, there is something called liberation, there is something called fulfillment in the life. That also they cannot accept. They cannot accept this goal, they cannot accept the means, they cannot accept the scriptures. For them, only sense gratification is the only thing in life. <coughs> Lord Krishna says these are unfortunate people. Without gaining me, they their life becomes a total waste. Without gaining me. And they remain again embedded only in this life of birth and death. So in this third verse, Lord Krishna seems to be telling us about the people who do not have the faith. Sometimes as we find the scriptures also, If you know this truth in this life, then the life is fulfillment. On the other hand, if I don't gain this knowledge, then the life becomes a waste. Asad neva sabhavati, asad brahmheti veda ched. Taitri Upanishad says, one who says that there is no God in life, there is no truth, there is no dharma, there is no righteousness, his life also becomes a total waste. Asti brahmheti veda cheda santamenam tato viduruti. Reality. 
that there is there is a certain goal that there is a purpose of life their life also becomes purposeful <coughs> and therefore asti this is called astikya buddhi this is called the buddhi or a frame of mind which accepts that yes there is this truth you know the viveka chudamani describes shraddha or astikya buddhi shastrasya guruvakyasya satya buddhyavadharana Lord Krishna also said in the fourth chapter shraddhavan labhate jnanam the one who has shraddha one who has faith one who has trust he definitely gains the knowledge what is that faith what is the trust now when you talk of the faith are you talking of blind faith do these people expect a blind faith from us that we should accept whatever they tell us no they do not want to swallow whatever we are told they do not want to simply accept blindly whatever we are told all that they expect is that we should give them a certain consideration give them a benefit of doubt shraddha is a very very important frame of it is not a blind faith there are two kinds of faith when i am told that i will gain the liberation after death then it is a matter of faith total faith because i can never know that in my life if liberation or salvation is a phenomenon that is to take place after death that after death i will go to heavens and then i will be liberated there is something that to accept in faith because that heaven can never be the matter of my immediate knowledge but if i am told that no heaven is right here heaven is realized right here then it is something that i can that means that it can become the matter of my knowledge in this life itself it can become a matter of my experience in this life itself that means that i am required to have the faith or trust until that becomes a reality for me it is not a blind faith but what we call an enlightened faith it is a faith in which there is a conviction on my part because what the scriptures are talking about is something that is logical they are not telling us something that is that that contradicts the reasoning that contradicts the logic either what they are telling us is something that conforms to the logic but something that transcends the logic also something that can be made a reality in my life and therefore all the the trust that we are talking about is like this that when i listen to this the unfoldment of scriptures then i may hear something that seems to contradict my present belief so when i hear something that is that is contradictory to my present belief how should i look at it should i reject it because it does not conform to my present understanding or should i rather give it a consideration and see whether maybe my understanding needs to be revised so just giving a benefit of doubt that's all that don't reject something just because it is not in keeping with your present understanding maybe your understanding may not be right give it a consideration and apply your logic apply your reasoning to the ideas that are being being unfolded to you that's all 
don't reject an idea given by the scriptures just because it is not in keeping with the present understanding on the other hand you scrutinize the present understanding in light of what the scriptures are telling the or the faith is a frame of mind wherein i am i listen with a certain amount of trust certain amount of receptivity and that receptivity that trust creates a a, a tuning up between the teacher and the student and that's all that is required here but even that shraddha also many people do not have and therefore they just do not lend their ear lord krishna says lend your ear don't simply swallow what i am saying but at least give it a consideration of what i am saying if you find that it is not right don't accept it if you find that it is right have the boldness to accept it if it is not right don't worry wait a time may come when you may discover the the worth of what i am saying but if you find that what i am saying is right then be available to give up your present understanding and adopt this new understanding and that is how you grow in your understanding shraddhavan lapate gnanam it is that simple trust which enables me to learn and that's how i grow in my knowledge <coughs> So here Lord Krishna therefore is talking about the importance of shraddha importance of faith and enlightened faith not a blind faith a faith arising out of the conviction of my part there is no reason why the scripture should misguide me there is no reason why they should tell me something that is against my interest there is no reason why they should be that the scriptures are ultimately revelations of lord who is omniscient and it is that trust which enables me to have a certain receptivity so that whenever i when i listen at least i give it a consideration i give it a benefit of doubt and where i find that my present understanding needs a certain division that i am willing to do that <coughs> with this introduction now for the fourth verse lord krishna starts the main topic of the ninth chapter gnanam vijnana sahitam the proposition is that i'll tell you gnanam as well as vijnana gnanam the knowledge vijnanam the art of gaining that knowledge knowing as well as making it a reality of my life so first lord krishna starts with gnanam with knowledge what is the nature of reality what is the nature of truth what is the nature of god this question arises in our mind when we we are when as we are growing and we are living our life all the time you interact with the world and therefore a question arises what is the nature of this world is there a creator of this world if there is a creator where is he what is his nature human mind is an inquisitive mind it always wants to know why if you see a child even growing also the child all the time asks question what is this what is that why is it so why not keeps on asking questions that because there is an inquisitiveness the jignasa in the mind of the human being and therefore a question that would arise in our mind what is the nature of this world what is it that i am dealing with how to relate to the world and in order that i can relate with it properly it is necessary for me to know what the world is what is the reality of this world and this is what lord krishna starts describing what is he what is the lord and what's the relationship that he has with this world 
from the fourth verse now this discussion begins i read the the fourth verse here maya tatam idam sarvam jagadavyaktamurtira matsthani sarvabhutane nachaham teshvavasthitah in these verses lord krishna tells us how to know him and there is a very beautiful unfoldment in one stage after stage the first recognition of god is given in the first line of the fourth verse maya tatam idam sarvam jagat avyakta murtina maya avyakta murtina idam sarvam jagat tatam maya by me idam sarvam this entire creation tatam pervaded lord krishna says the entire creation is pervaded by me this is the first recognition of god who is god the one that pervades the entire creation what is meant by that pervasiveness let us give an example this is cloth the cloth is made of cotton we say that the cotton is a material to make this cloth we require at least two factors one is the cotton from which the cloth is to be made another is a weaver who weaves this cloth the cotton is called the material cause because it forms a material from which the cloth is made and weaver is called the intelligent cause because he provides the intelligence in order to make the cloth thus for any kind of a creation there are at least two causes one is called the material cause other is called the intelligent cause or the efficient cause the material cause is always material it is inert like the cotton is inert cotton itself does not have the intelligence to become the cloth and therefore an intelligent entity is required in this case a weaver who is an intelligent entity who takes that cotton and makes the thread out of that and from the thread he weaves a cloth thread itself being inert cannot arrange itself in the cloth and therefore we require a conscious intelligent entity which possesses the knowledge which possesses the skills which possesses the ability to take that matter and create the final product thus we have two causes in any kind of creation one is the material cause other is the intelligent cause or efficient the cause namely the material cause is that which is not different from the cloth at all the cotton which is the material cause is that which is where the cloth is is it not so so material cause is where the effect is where the product is wherever the cloth not be without the cotton take away the cotton there is no cloth at all and therefore we can say that the cotton pervades the cloth so this is a relationship that 
a material cause has with the final product or says maya tatam idam sarvam idam jagat tatam maya this entire creation is pervaded by me what does it mean here the cloth can, the cotton can say the entire cloth is pervaded by me similarly the lord says the entire creation is pervaded by me what does it mean it means that he is a very material from which this whole universe is made for making the universe also we can imagine that there should be at least two causes one is the material from which the whole universe is made another is the intelligent being who uses that material to create this universe now here we come to a very important concept of god and material cause are different as in case of this cot cloth or take the cot the standard example of a pot a pot made of clay the pot maker is the efficient cause the clay is the material cause we know that the efficient cause is different from the material cause the efficient cause is intelligent is a conscious being the material cause is inert this is what our experience is and therefore we imagine that when it comes to the universe when it comes to the world the creator is different from the creation and therefore normally we imagine that the creator the lord the creator is somewhere in heavens and he has created this universe he is different from the universe he is different from the creation this is the usual concept that we have about god because we don't seem to see the god here lord krishna is giving a very beautiful acquaintance of this principle called god there is god someone who is totally separated from the universe lord krishna says no i i pervade the entire universe just as the clay pervades all the parts just as the cotton pervades all the clothes just as the gold pervades all the ornaments just as water pervades all the waves similarly also lord krishna says i pervade the entire universe in good and bad we'll see this principle in the morning also ishavasya upanishad says the very same thing ishavasya vidam sarvam this entire universe is pervaded by god the same same thing is repeated somewhat in the initial verse of the ishavasya upanishad but this is a phenomenon to understood very well what do you mean by saying that god pervades everywhere that everywhere god is you mean god is in me and you in this table and chair he says yes what kind of god is that i pervade the entire creation avyakta murti avyakta means that is not vyakta that is not manifest that is cannot be objectified i pervade the entire creation in my unmanifest form that means i am present everywhere in my unmanifest form here juna oh human being you are seeing me all right at the same time you are not able to recognize me table also god in me also god in you also even god in an, in, in an evil person also there is god everywhere says yes so first introduction of god 
He pervades everything just as the water pervades all the waves. He is the material from which the whole universe is made. See, there is this object in my hand. This is a glass case. That's all. It is a plastic thing. About this glass case, there are five aspects. First is that this glass case is. Is it right? It is. How do you say this is? Because it is the object of my knowledge. That it is known. So number one, it is. Second thing, it is known. Or it shines, it reveals itself. The third thing is that it is dear to me. It is a source of joy. It is a source of happiness. You mean this thing is a source of happiness? Yes, at least it's a source of happiness to me because it houses my glasses. Happiness, priyam, therefore. It is a certain name called the glass case and it is a form that goes along with the name. Remember five things. A name and form plus it is, it shines and it is dear to me. Take another object, name this clock. Clock also is. Clock also is known, shines. Clock also is dear because it is useful. Clock has a name, it is called clock and it is a form. It is, it shines, it is dear, it is a name, it is a form. Take this book. It is, it shines, it is dear to me. It is a name, it is a form. Take table, take chair, take I, take you, take anything. Everything is characterized by these five factors, is it not? It is, it shines, it is dear, it is a name, it is a form. In this, we find that the first three, everything reflects the awareness, everything reflects happiness, everything has a name and it is a form. Every name and form reflects these three things, that it is, that it shines and that it is a source of happiness. Asti, Sat, Bhati, Chit and it is happiness, Ananda, Sat, Chit, Ananda, existence, awareness, happiness. Existence, awareness, happiness. Each object having a name and form reflects existence because it is. Reflects knowledge because it shines. And reflects happiness because it is a source of happiness for me. Awareness, intelligence and happiness are concerned. This object also has that. The book also has that. The table also has that. I also have that. You also have that. Everything has that. Existence. Intelligence, happiness. Existence, intelligence, happiness. Just as a wave becomes a name and form manifesting the water. Every wave may have a different shape and different size. But each wave only is nothing but a vehicle for manifestation of water. Each ornament becomes a vehicle for manifestation of gold. Each cloth becomes a vehicle for manifestation of cotton or the material. Similarly, each name and form in the universe is a vehicle for manifestation of that principle, existence, intelligence, happiness. This object also reflects, but you are saying that this object reflects happiness. I don't see that. I, looking at this thing, I don't feel happy. 
I don't feel a sense of love looking at that. How do you say that this is happiness? How do you say this is love? <coughs> but you see, all I can say is that every object is capable to me. Every object that works has certain usefulness. Nothing in the creation is redundant. Nothing in the creation is useless. Is it not so? Except it may be useful to me under given conditions. What may not be dear to me is dear to someone. Like for example, when you prepare vegetables at home, you know, you remove the peels and you remove all the unnecessary parts of the vegetables and all the cow that is waiting there, it knows at this time this thing comes here and it is waiting there. It is very dear to that cow. I have a banana. I remove the peel from the banana. I don't care the peel. The banana is dear to me. The peel is not dear to me. I throw away the peel. There's a monkey waiting right there. He takes out the peel. It is dear to him. Let's look at any object. Anything that is created in the world has the ability to make someone happy under some conditions. Is it not so? That shows that everything has the content of happiness in there. Everything has certain attractiveness. It attracts somebody at some time under some conditions and therefore whatever is there has a certain attractiveness. That is what we call the love element in everything. Really speaking, it is not that it is attractive to somebody. In fact, in order to gain that happiness from any object, each one of us in fact can gain happiness from any object. It's just a matter of time and place and condition. <coughs> they explain to us that only that we require to enjoy anything. Really you can enjoy anything in this world. Provided a certain frame of mind is there. Is it not so? You can even enjoy this object. You can enjoy painting that. You can enjoy making it. You can enjoy looking at it. You can enjoy this. Provided you possess a certain frame of mind. Is it so? Anything, even a leaf, a dry leaf, even a withered flower, anything can become a source of enjoyment to me, provided I enjoy that leisure of the mind, that clarity of the mind, when my mind is free from likes and dislikes, free from attachment and aversion, when my mind enjoys that peace or tranquility, that transparency. Is it not that when we, that is when we enjoy? For example, when we go to a beautiful place, you go to a mountain, you go to a forest, you go to a garden, you look at a beautiful tree, you go even desert, you look at the sunrise, you look at the sunset. And I look at that and sometimes just my mind becomes pleased. What happens at that time? What happens is my mind becomes free from all demands, from all likes and dislikes, or attachment and aversions, becomes free from all my complexes and fears. At that time, my mind just becomes free and enjoys what there is. Even a grain of sand also can become enjoyable. A flower can become enjoyable. An atom can become enjoyable. The sun can become enjoyable. Anything can become enjoyable, provided I have a certain frame of mind. I am not able to enjoy a given thing, not because it doesn't have the content of pleasure. It is because I am not ready at the moment to enjoy the pleasure or the happiness which is there. If my mind is prepared, I can appreciate that harmony, that beauty in everything in life. 
and this is what is meant by Lord Krishna when he says I pervade the entire universe I am that beauty that pervades everything I am that harmony that pervades everything I am the love that pervades everything and thus everything has the content of love everything has the content of harmony everything has the content of beauty just look for it so first we are told to appreciate that beauty obtaining everywhere appreciate the harmony obtaining everywhere appreciate that love obtaining everywhere appreciate that order obtaining everywhere there is nothing whatever in the creation that is devoid of that harmony devoid of that beauty devoid of that love all that is required is to prepare my mind to be able to appreciate that what happens today is that I can enjoy something only when it fulfills my conditions if it fulfills my likes and dislikes if it fulfills my demands then I can enjoy it doesn't fulfill my demands I cannot enjoy it but suppose I reduce my demands then I find more and more things enjoyable if I keep on reducing my demands ultimately suppose I possess a mind there is no demands at all I find that everything becomes enjoyable because what is beauty or what is beautiful can you really describe what is beautiful can you say that beauty means a certain shape or a certain form is it not beauty just really a frame of mind when I look at the mountains when I look at the desert when I look at the ocean when I look at anything and when I enjoy that where is that where is that beauty is it not that is the beauty a particular form or beauty really is that frame of mind that I am enjoying understand that what we call beauty is nothing but that frame of mind what we call happiness that frame of mind what we call harmony is that frame of mind when I have that frame of mind I can enjoy that harmony or the beauty everywhere so this is the first lesson that we are told here that it is not that I have to go someplace to discover that love to discover the beauty to discover the harmony to discover the joy in my life it is there everywhere what is required is that I penetrate at the moment to me only the form is real the name is real I don't see beyond that I don't realize that this name and form really is a vehicle for the manifestation of existence of intelligence of harmony of order I fail to see that that's why Lord Krishna says I pervade the entire universe by my unmanifest form what is manifest is what is available for objectification by my sense organs which is name and form I cannot see that beauty by my eyes even when you see the beauty somewhere it's not by the eyes that we see it is by the mind's eye that we see when I experience love it's not by my my sense organs that I experience it is in my mind that I experience when I appreciate the harmony it is not appreciated by my sense organs it is appreciated by my mind so also Lord Krishna says what you see with your sense organs are the names and forms but what each name and form reflects which is you to see in your mind's eye that is Rasti, Bhati, Priyam that Sat, Chit, Ananda existence, intelligence, harmony as existence, intelligence, harmony I am present everywhere Maya tatamidam sarvam jagat avyakta murtina next line says matsthani sarabhutani nachaham teshvavasthita hai 
we said that there are five factors and the name and form that's what is different in every object whereas their existence intelligence and harmony is common to everything what is the relationship between them what's the relationship between that god which is existence intelligence and harmony and the name and form which is a vehicle through which he manifests what's the relationship lord krishna says much sthani sarvabhutani all the names and forms are due to me nachaham teshavastita they are all dependent upon me i am not dependent upon them they are all projected upon me they are all superimposed upon me i am that very reality that very truth upon which all the names are dependent all the names and forms are dependent all the names and forms are superimposed for example the water can say that i pervade all the waves what's the relation between the water and the waves water says all the waves are due to me i'm not due to the waves whether waves are there or not i am there the wave cannot be unless the water is but we cannot say the water cannot be if the wave is not water is independent wave is dependent so there is water and there is wave one is independent other is dependent one is absolute other thing is relative one is substratum other is superimposition one is adhisthanam other is adhyaropa one is satyam other is mithya one is real other is unreal the water is real the wave is unreal in the sense that the reality of the wave entirely depends upon the water take away the water from the wave there is no wave at all take away the cloth from this cotton there is no cloth at all and therefore the cloth says this cotton is totally dependent upon me in fact this cot this this cloth is dependent upon me the cloth is projected upon me in short the cloth says that the co- the cotton says that the cloth is nothing but me i alone manifest as this cloth the water can say i alone manifested all the waves the gold can say i alone manifested all the ornaments similarly also lord krishna says i alone manifest as this whole universe of names and forms there is nothing other than me matta paratramnanyat kinchidasti dhananjaya hey arjuna there is nothing other than me in this universe all there is is i alone i alone assume the form of the costume of the names and forms so lord krishna tells him tells us what he is he is the rasti bhati priyam the sat chit ananda existence intelligence harmony that existence that intelligence that harmony that love alone has taken all these names and forms and that is how it has become manifest to us so the names and forms are not very material names and forms are not important they are just costumes just as in case of the actor and the beggar the beggar is a costume not very important what is important is the actor in the case of you and i also we have this personality the name and form is not that important what is important is the person what's the what is the nature of that person what's the nature of the spirit asti bhati priyam i also can say about myself that i am that i am intelligent i am conscious that i have a nature of love manifesting through this particular form and name and therefore the universe consisting of name and form is what we call the vehicle for the manifestation of that principle called satchit ananda asti bhati priya the existence intelligence harmony 
same harmony manifesting through all the names and forms. That alone is called person, that alone is called the spirit, that alone is called the reality, that alone is called the awareness, which are the nature of harmony, love, oneness, unity, manifesting through the whole diversity of names and forms. Therefore, in the second line, Lord Krishna says, the names and forms are there all right. They are not important. What is important is the content of names and forms. Much Sarabhutani, they are all there because of me. Nachaham Teshavastitaha is not that I am because of them, they are because of me. Regardless of what the names and forms are, the same harmony, the same beauty, the same love, the same oneness manifests through that. Thus in this verse, Lord Krishna tells us what is the nature of truth, what's the nature of reality, what's the nature of God. That he is one among the many. He alone manifests the whole universe. He pervades the entire universe. And thus we can say that in this case, the intelligent cause and the material cause are not really different. He is alone, both intelligence as well as material alone he is. And this is the first introduction that Lord Krishna gives of himself. This idea is going to unfold it in subsequent verses also, as we will see uh, when we continue our discussion tomorrow, as to how this fundamental idea of the nature of reality is further unfolded in the subsequent verses. Okay. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashashyade Om Shanti 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 Harihi Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Harihi Om